everyone, this is Jason Leenarts. This is episode number 314 of Revolutionary You, proudly brought to you by Revolution Fitness and Therapy. This is episode 204 with my buddy Ruby Sherry, and we had a really cool conversation in the first part uh, of this series, which was kind of starting to unpack a, a health-first approach um, to the to the way that we look at self-improvement, you know, and how do we do that, and what does it look like? What does it look like for men? What does it look like for women? And I, I have to tip my hat to someone. There's a, a woman I recently connected with um, through social media, and um, so shout out to Marjorie, who's been writing some really interesting stuff about uh, our show in particular, and uh, and she's kind of detailed a couple of different episodes I've done recently. Um, you can find the work that she's doing at progressive-strength.com, and, uh, and, and I find it to be really thought-provoking. Um, information that she's putting out there and so i connected with marjorie and was kind of having a little bit of dialogue with her she had done a little bit of a critique of the last episode that ruby and i did together and it sort of made us almost pivot uh, where we wanted to take this conversation today and really just the whole notion of you know how does this all wrap into our identity as people and where does privilege uh stand uh, in the middle of all these things, you know, can you be someone who doesn't have access to as many things? Maybe you don't have access to high quality food. Maybe you don't have access to a nice gym with fancy machines and all these different things. Can you still be health seeking? Uh, can you still have a life uh, that is uh, considered, you know, healthy by any definition? And what does that do for you as a person? And, uh, you know, I don't know that we're going to successfully tackle this, but God knows Ruby and I are certainly going to try. So Ruby, welcome back. Um, and thank you for uh, you know a great start to this series. And uh, and I'm going to let you start with this one because I know as we were having some dialogue offline about it, uh, there was there were some cool places to take it. So uh, take it away. It's actually interesting that you brought up privilege part because that was the first thing that struck me when I read Marjorie's review, and it got me thinking. Yes, but who is it that we are targeting with this podcast, and who is it exactly? that's listening to this podcast like what materials can you guys that re realistically use and what are your mindsets like what is the audience of this podcast itself really trying to glean out of what they listen to and I debated on and off about the privilege part and then I started to think yeah well the best thing about a lot of the people that are out there without as much equipment per se or the ability to afford a gym is that there will be things that you can utilize to still get some form of progression through resistance training because resistance training isn't just weights it isn't just what you do in the gym like your body is pretty much a tool in itself you can move your body around in so many different ways like people forget and this is something that came out of COVID as well. You could see all of these, because I'm also in like different coaching and personal trainer type of groups online. And people are just lost for words on how to program their clients around all of this. And then I'm grateful through my education and through the mentorship that I've done, I don't rely on just barbells and dumbbells for my clients. Like I was able to do pretty damn good progressions with just a body or just bands. And that's like the cheapest form of entry that there is. But there's also outdoors. Like, 
go for a walk down the street, like just get your aerobic fitness up, but mesh in that resistance training with bands, like with your body around what is pretty much in your own reach until you can do better. But pivoting back now to the audience of this show and what they will be getting from this, I actually fixated on one particular part of the review, which was on it's health first approach but there was still the mention of yeah i was mentioning calories yeah i was mentioning fat loss because they do come in part like part and parcel with what health is and that's pretty much the foundation of what i was addressing in the first episode where you know that you need to eat in a calorie deficit to lose weight but calories are not just like the calories in the food because you don't eat macros you don't eat calories you eat food like yeah cool a carb is a carb but it's not really because one carb may come with plentiful other nutrients if you eat it in the food source because obviously one one gram of carb itself doesn't really bring with that much but if you eat ample amount of a certain amount of food you will get the nutrients that are anti-aging that Anti, that are antioxidants that are beneficial for your hair your skin your nails like depending on what source of food you choose that is going to either take you further or away from your health goals and it's in that realizing that fat cells do not just contain fat a fat cell is a toxin site it is where all toxins in your body are stored excess energy is toxic to your body so it gets shoved into fat cells and this is like the the environment around you has its own toxins but it's not to the degree where you need to go and bloody put some stupid sauna wrap on or bubble wrap on and start sweating your guts off on a treadmill like that's all bullshit that people put out into the universe because it sounds cool and it gets people money because i have this new fancy program that is different from you know the boring old just eat less food eat move more which once again i think is completely what has turned a lot of people against trying to seek a better body image for themselves and this brings me to the whole conversation that i really wanted to get into which is body changes are the main driver that people come to us they're the main reason that people try to like start out with the gym start out with any type of training or nutrition plan they want to change their body they want to feel better. And if I said that I didn't start out or I'm not continuing to do something because it doesn't make me feel better or it wasn't because I didn't want to look better, then I'd be lying. And I'm sure every one of you can agree too that the reason you started out or the reason that you would push forward in a certain way is because you want to feel better than you do now. You want to look better than you do now. Caveat once you actually start to feel better once you actually start to see the benefits that come from increasing your steps increasing your water intake starting to focus more on your lifestyle starting to actually drop some body fat and look better and feel more confident in your skin and actually you know actually walk into the clothing shops and try on the clothes in the mirror instead of just grabbing whatever looks like it fits and then walking out because you hate looking at yourself in the change room lights like if that wasn't the main driver for you starting whatever it is that you're starting then 
I, you, you, you're a special snowflake. It's when you start to feel those differences that it becomes more than just a body, like a chasing a certain body or chasing a certain number on the scale. It becomes so much more than that, and it's something I've witnessed in my own clients as well. Like they come to me hating their little extra puff on their stomach or wanting to lose this, wanting to lose that. But when they actually address the mind with the body and not just try to address the body, it becomes so much more than that. And I actually had a client today in a conversation say to me the same thing that I said in my conversation, which was when you start to just focus on the process, not just the progress and not just the result, it doesn't become a chore anymore and it doesn't become something that you fight yourself to do because it's something you just do because you know that if you did the alternative you're not going to feel full of energy you're not going to feel that strength within you anymore and i would prefer to feel bloody strong bloody healthy and fit than lazy sitting on the couch and eating potato chips while everyone else is eating pizza off the the counter like that's not the lifestyle i want to live and it's sadly the reality of so many people out there which is why we have this obesity ep epidemic why we have people yo-yoing all the time because in my opinion intuitive eating cannot exist until you have the foundational knowledge of nutrition itself because i would intuitively not like i had a client who was with me ages ago she fell off because she wanted to try this all new intuitive eating because she was either all or nothing like she was she is still fully anal about tracking everything sure it's not as like pedantic as it used to be but that's how it was so she wanted to flip the total coin and go intuitive and she ended up pretty much looking like she had an eating disorder like she was that like eating away lost all the muscle mass and all that and she came back to me a year later crying on a video chat saying that she wanted to join the team again and just get back into the tracking and you have to know yourself and this is the thing with social media like every time you read something it's a biased opinion it is not just it's not based in fact like open your social media feed and you'll see someone says something and then everyone else is like kissing their ass like agreeing on the same thing because they're within the same community group people choose their herb, their, their herd. And once you see something said a million times, the more it starts to become something that you start to believe, whether it's true or whether it's false, whether it's something that's gonna serve you or something that's gonna be detrimental to you, because we all just want to feel something. We're emotional beings, we're humans. And the more that you try to cling to what other people are doing instead of just zooming out, like that's going to be, that's like my new slogan now, zoom TF out, because we're too hyper-focused on everything instead of realizing I'm doing this to feel better. I'm doing this because I know the alternative is not something that I want to be. And I'm trying to create this identity that's serving the person I want to become, the lifestyle I want to become. Everything needs a purpose for you to be able to sustain it. If you don't attach a purpose or a meaning to something, 
it's not going to stick. And the more that the women out there especially put themselves last because their family comes first, you really aren't putting the family first at all. Because I can think of many examples of when I would get a client frustrated and crying because she just went off at the kids. She just lost her temper. She doesn't want to deal with her kids anymore because like the whole house would, is a catastrophe because your head inside of you is a catastrophe. If you show up as your best self, if you put the focus into you first, it's going to show in everything that you do. The kids are going to see it. The husband, the partner, the boyfriend, the work colleagues, they're all going to see that you are showing up as your best self and you open up so many more opportunities and your life becomes less of a fighting against a brick wall and it just becomes something you ease into because you're walking into it with confidence. And reflecting back on the first episode that I was on last week, it kind of is pretty damn important to look after your calorie intake to then get those results because that is really what drives fat loss. But once I, like I said, calories aren't just the food that you eat. It comes with nutrients. It comes with phytonutrients. Calories are also the mental energy that you put into you. But also, what is a calorie? It's energy. And if you're not looking after your mental self, your emotional self, with your physical body, you can't change the mental with the mental. It's something Andrew Huberman says. He's a neuroscientist. You can't change your mind state with the mind state. You need to move your physical body into action first. Otherwise, you're just going to sit in overthinking. I just call it you can't change the psychological with the psychological. You need to add the physical into it. And it works the other way as well. You can't change the physical without looking after your physiology, which is the health state of your body and the mental. Because a calorie deficit probably won't be a calorie deficit. On, like the calorie deficit on paper won't be a calorie deficit if you're stressed out, if you're not sleeping. Because although you calculated, let's just say 1,500 calories, because it's the easiest thing to say, 1,500 calories is your calorie deficit. If you're stressed out, if you're not sleeping, you're going to be moving less during the day. So yeah, maybe it was a calorie deficit to start with, but because you're so stressed out, because you like because you're tired, you're not sleeping properly, you're not moving around as much. You're not able to put in as much performance into the gym. You're not you're not actually picking the right foods for your body because when you're stressed out, your body's going to crave more sugar, more fast energy that's going to have a trickle-down effect into everything else your body does, your gut health, your your digestion. And I was listening to a podcast today on my run, and he said two things in the same, in the same sentence, which really triggered me. It doesn't matter what you eat. It doesn't matter what time you eat, as long as you're eating it all within a day to get the right amounts. And yes, while that is true, he was putting this towards body comp. And then at the end of that sentence, he said, but it does impact your performance, not your body comp. And I'm like, but that's the thing. If you're not fueling yourself with the right food, if you're not giving yourself the right nutrients, 
and then you have an upset gut if you can't perform in the gym that's going to be less expenditure so technically that calorie deficit isn't a calorie deficit anymore you're not building you can't tone a muscle if there's no muscle to tone and you're not going to be able to put in the performance into the gym to build the body that you want to fuel the body that you want to build if you're not giving yourself the proper fuel so i guess that's where it all just comes together to say yes it all matters but you just need to zoom out and realize health should be the underlying factor the body changes it's okay to want to change your body and it's almost like it's frowned upon now when people actively want to change their body or actively want to lose fat because this body positive movement has swung the pendulum in the complete opposite direction instead of just meeting in the middle like body positive is being happy with where you are at now you can be happy at every size but it doesn't necessarily mean you are healthy at every size but that's kind of how it all ties in together and there are some people that can exist at the higher range and there are some people that can exist at the lower range but what happened to the messy middle when it comes to talking about what they what people see online or approaches people want to take we should all be supporting each other and not becoming zealots and shooting people down for what they actively want to pursue or their choice of diet or their choice of training <laughs> i guess that's the best way to tie it all together to even start the conversation which was yeah i mean there, there's there's a few different directions i want to go with this and sort of piggybacking on some things you were talking about before um and i'll, I'll probably i'll follow my own sword first you know when i think about my entry point into fitness um it wasn't sports like a lot of people um and not saying everybody falls into fitness that way you know some people are um you know school uh, high school athletes things like that and that that's their introduction into okay well I, I played high school football and so therefore we went to go work out and i really got the you know got bit by the bug and so now i'm i'm this fitness thing um you know for me it started after i'd already started drugs and i'd already been addicted to drugs for a handful of years uh before i kind of had that catalytic that catalyst moment where it was like oh i'm i don't feel well um, I don't look well, maybe I should start lifting weights. And so like, that was the first thing. It wasn't, you should get clean. It was, you need to do something to improve your body. And so here I am just chock full of drugs and walking my skinny little ass into a gym and going, okay, I think I'm going to lift some weights. Actually, and, and let me say this appropriately. I think that, uh, the first thing I did was I bought a bench and some dumbbells just to have in my apartment at the time. And then I got into a gym after that because I realized I needed, I needed more. I needed more than what I had. And, um, and so you start doing things in stages, you know, it's like, what, what are you mentally equipped to do right now well at that time in my mind i was not mentally equipped to stop using drugs because at that point i hadn't convinced myself that i had a drug problem um but movement coming back to what you said about you know you can have this psychological thing happening you know where, where uh, my body was trying or my mind was trying to fill a void and i thought drugs were what was going to be what would fill it but I started doing this physical thing, this physical thing, which is moving the body and getting something positive happening for me. And so fitness was sort of like the first outlet. And then you start to do things like, well, 
maybe I need to eat better. Maybe I need to do something like fuel this body differently. I'm going to start kind of like take your words and sort of put them back into this conversation. Um, I'm, I'm going to start to feed my body a little bit differently. So that's where it became things like chicken and broccoli and rice, you know, those quote unquote healthy foods that we eat when we're trying to improve our composition. And then all of a sudden, like lo and behold, many, many years later, it's like, maybe you need to get clean. Maybe this is no longer your identity. You're no longer the, the drug addict. And of course, those of us who are uh, in recovery, we always have to identify as addicts. We'll always be addicts. So you're just kind of trading one thing for another. And I don't, I'm giving that as a blanket term. Uh, some people may successfully remove all addiction from their life, but uh, I, I haven't met that person yet. Um, but I also want to think about this from the client perspective too. And, you know, Ruby, you can probably attest to this as well. It's not uncommon for me to have someone who comes to me for weight loss and we talk about the things that it takes to make that happen. Um, what needs to happen with food, what needs to happen with movement to, to create an energy deficit. And they hear it and they know it, but they're not, they're not there. Um, so what they have to do, whether they realize it or not, is they have to just start showing up. They have to start making their appointments at the gym, uh, whether that is with a coach or they do it on their own. They have to start showing up for themselves um, they have to make that consistent. They have to start finding ways to get creative with things like progressive overload with whatever method they have available to them, whether it's body weight or bands, or it's machines, or it's dumbbells, or it's barbells, or it's kettlebells, or whatever. Um, and then when the time is right, then all of a sudden it's like, you know what, I, I'm, I'm in a pretty good headspace right now. I've been doing the physical things. I've been showing up at the gym. I've been making that a consistent part of my life. I've been feeling a little bit better because I'm moving my body. I've been getting stronger, which makes me feel more confident, which makes me look forward to going to the gym or whatever my athletic endeavor is of choice, uh, which could just simply be running. Um, now I think I'm in the place where I can start to focus on food for you know, the, the next piece of this puzzle of body composition. And, and I'll agree with you that, I mean, the vast majority of the people that I come or that come to me are coming to me for an aesthetic change. And it's not that they don't see that there's a, a correlation to if I change my body, I may feel better about myself. And that's regardless of what somebody weighs. You know, I, I have clients that, because, and this is part of our questionnaire, like our our incoming questionnaire before someone has even paid me for my services. There's a, a just a list of options I want people to check. You know, what, what things are you looking to improve? Um, weight loss, uh, lean muscle gains, dietary advice, better endurance, better stamina, um, higher self-esteem, stress relief, you know, and they can just, and, I, and I've got people that will sit right here in my office and go, all of it. I want to I want to improve all of it and that's okay because you you know you may need all those things to happen and so it kind of comes back to that that client I was just describing like maybe you just need to get the ball rolling before you can consider what needs to happen with food to sort of put that little that next little piece of the puzzle together and I've always viewed it as a puzzle because when people you know it's a you can look at it as a puzzle look at it as a spectrum of change um, because you know things are never going to be perfect. And it's kind of like the the adage of the buckets, you know, the buckets of your life. You've got your, your social, your emotional, your spiritual, your physical. You can't keep every bucket full at the, at the same time. You know, it's not it's not possible. Something is going to probably lose its, its level of fullness because you can't focus on all of it. Um, 
but I, I do find it interesting where this crosses over into some degree of identity. You know, what, what does this make us, our, our identity as people? Um, because, you know, when you look at, certainly I, I have clients that I would, you know, put in this conversation. When you look at people who run, I'm a runner, you know? When you look at people that lift heavy things, I'm a lifter, you know, to whatever degree. Um, you can even take that as part of the diet conversation. I am a vegan, cool. You know, that that's your identity, that's your tribe, that's your thing. Until and if, you know, when you decide that perhaps that tool is no longer as important as it once was. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think there's, again, lots of nuance, lots of things to consider. Um, and of course, if, you're, if you have the ability to be able to tune into a podcast, you have a certain degree of privilege. If you have the ability to buy a gym membership, you have a certain degree of privilege. Um, you can do a lot with a little and you can do a lot with a lot, depending on what you have access to. Um, and it also depends on how good your noise filter is because you know you know just as well as I do that the moment you got, get onto social media or Google or anything else, uh, wherever that algorithm takes you, you can find a lot of different answers. They're not always gonna be the right ones for you at that time. So um, I'll, I'll put this back over to you. And I'm adding on to that a lot with a lot. You can also do a little with a lot. and that touches back onto what you said about the whole identity thing and that's it's a tool in the toolbox that's what it really all is they're they're all tools in the toolbox to use at the right time for the right person and it's like yeah you can do that but should you yeah you can go into a calorie deficit right now but should you are you in a place to right now there are so many people that are not mentally in a place to be able to start that phase off yet. And something I say is, if I put you into a fat loss phase, I want it to bloody work. Like, I don't want you to be pushing and grinding and screeching against the chalkboard because it's pretty much like fighting, just fighting resistance. And if you've been dieting your whole life, if you come from disordered eating in the back, like in the past, or you've just got such an emotional clutch to some type of trauma or some event, you're not currently in a place to just go into a diet until you address all the other factors. And that's kind of where the health first approach comes in. But yes, you're gonna come to me wanting to change your body because you're not gonna be happy with who you are. You're not going to be happy with how you feel and that's okay and this is where i reckon the barrier to entry in health and fitness really is now it's because there's so many people shooting the diet culture against people trying to say yeah you need to get your body healthy and fat cells are toxic and like there's both different arguments coming at anyone trying to get into any type of self-improvement and not just either anti-diet culture or you need to lose weight but you need to do it this way you need to do it that way and it's all just noise and that is what is stopping a lot of people from just getting started and i guess that's where it comes down to what you said as you need to start off with what that person's willing to do first what are they capable of doing and you need to start off at the basics and seeing what you mentioned about if we take privilege in a different light, privilege may be, yeah, okay, I have 
all of these tools already in my tool belt and I can track my calories. I can do all this stuff. But someone coming to us may not yet be at a stage where they can just follow a meal plan or track their food without inducing some level of anxiety. So it comes to, I have a girl at the moment, I have quite a few girls at the moment, sending their food photos to me. And I give them ideas. Like you'll see breakfast with butter, some something like honey or jam or whatever bread's bread and bread. Yeah, the bread isn't bad. Yeah, okay, maybe we can replace the butter with something like cottage cheese, high in protein. There was no protein with that meal. It's the basics of where can we start adding protein into each meal and use the process of addition. Like, I did not see a single color with that. It was just beige. Honey, butter, bread. Why don't we add some color to it? Why don't we put in a source of protein? Cottage cheese, ham. Let's use the bread. Nothing wrong with that. It's keeping the same type of foods, but making them better. And until you can sort of move your way along that spectrum, then you can probably actually follow closer to a meal plan template. And I'm actually a, a like an advocate of meal plans for a lot of people who don't know how to eat because you can say, cool, this is how you have to eat with like the macros and stuff like that. But if they don't actually know what it feels like to be thriving on certain foods or at their best self, they don't know the difference between how they're eating now and how eating like adequately and with the right nutrition is gonna make them feel until they actually experience it. So I put my girls on the training wheels of a meal plan and I'm there with them every step of the way to help them with their food. But then again, if you don't have someone for that, you have a support network. There are plentiful groups on Facebook if you choose the right ones. But if you choose to go that route, then maybe try and look up credible research. Try and actually just look at what the health guidelines pretty much say with eat your damn veggies. Like the veggies are at the bottom of every single health pyramid. Put more color onto your plate, flavor them. Because as soon as you know what it's like to thrive on the right foods and get some assistance in that sense, read the health books, educate yourself on what it, what it takes to eat a diet that helps you thrive and nourishes you. The importance of protein. You will start to feel better and you'll start to chase that feeling versus chasing that number on the scale. But you're still going to be impacted by numbers, by how you feel a certain day. How many times have you heard or even said, I feel fat? Fat is not a feeling, but our emotional state has put us into a place where we're feeling fat. And we can let that get to us or we can stop and acknowledge it. Like I can, I can still have those feelings sometimes because I either feel watery or I ate a little bit too much in one meal and I had like a big bloated stomach, but I, I feel it. And I realize now talking about it that I don't even, I don't even let it take up another sound bite. It's like, yeah, probably was this, move on with my day. But that's not something you just develop straight away. And it's that, that lag time between action and seeing any outcome or progress that is what holds a lot of people back 
and leads to self-sabotage. And this is again where identity comes in. You need to start asking yourself better questions. Why am I feeling this way? What triggered it? Whenever my clients come to me with some type of off-plan meal or they say they cheated or any type of thing that is not how it should be in quotation marks, I don't say anything in response or give them an answer to anything. And if they ask them questions, I don't give an answer. I ask them a question back. Okay, so how are you feeling before that? They may ask me another question. They may they'll reply to it and then ask me something else or they'll say something else. And then I just throw back another question. Okay, and how do you feel now? What could you have done better? It's asking the questions that can actually get deeper into the root cause behind why something slipped up or why you feel like you failed. Because a lot of the time our feelings of failure weren't even that bad, but we dramatize it so much that if you didn't actually make that contact point to reach out to someone, you could have just punched all the other tires and went spiraling down. And that's where getting the ball rolling with questions is the most powerful thing you can do. We don't question ourselves enough. And as that quote goes, we have two ears and one mouth because we're meant to listen more than we speak. But what happened to listening to yourself? It's not just about listening to other people. We hardly ever truly listen to ourselves. That's why we're so overwhelmed. That's why we get so stressed. We have shit going on in our head until the cork flies off the top and it explodes like champagne everywhere. <laughs> we don't listen to ourselves. We don't talk to ourselves unless it's in a negative way. We don't have healthy debates with ourselves. And that's the key to forming the identity that you want to create because you're creating that identity through questioning. Is this the person that I really want to become? I had, a, I had another client example. I never used to call myself a gym person. And I just realized that I've been going to the gym for the past couple of weeks. Like, I'm a gym person. That's weird. Did I just say I'm a gym person? Like, <laughs> this is the thing with identity. Like, we, identity can be the death of us as much as it can help us. With me, because I am an addictive personality, like you mentioned you were, I cling to certain things and I will cling myself to an identity. And that's why it's even more important for me to do the self-talk, to do the visualization, because otherwise I find it hard to shift my state of being. And the way that I challenge myself is through challenge. I was against running. I was against doing a lot of things. And because I hated running so much, I'm like, aha, uh -huh, this is a challenge for myself. This is something that I will actually feel even better at the end of because during the run, it's freaking hell. And this goes for getting yourself into consistency. I have never really spoken about this type of thing before, but I come from a very disordered eating background. And that is what wanted me, what pushed me to where I am now because I did not like the state I was in. And yes, my hair was falling out. Yes, I was 
lethargic as hell and I had no endurance capacity to even walk for a long period of time because I would get sore and I was shopping in the kids section for everything and that made me feel not how I wanted to feel and I did not like how I looked in photos because I thought I looked like a clothes hanger and that's the thing like we grow we go through and grow through so much we grow through what we go through and if it wasn't for that and building myself up to where I am now I wouldn't have as much appreciation for just just the fact of being fit as well like that obsession with I guess wanting to manipulate my body in a certain way that way I will never say that going into bodybuilding and all of that stuff actually made it worse it's just it's been like a tunnel into where I am now and that's that can pretty much work for anyone that's been through any type of trauma in the past you are not your struggles the struggles are there for you to serve you they are there to grow you in ways you couldn't imagine because yeah you may be struggling through this certain part but once you reframe it and ask yourself certain questions the driving force becomes that much stronger for you to become your best self. I hope that kind of makes sense in a way because it's like you know that you don't want to be where you are now. You don't like how you feel now. But if you're going to stay so stuck in your head that you don't put those words on paper and try to figure out this isn't who I want to become, this isn't what I'm enjoying, and you start to actually put the enjoyment back into your life, into that yeah into life like it's about life and you don't want to stay clung up on like bad marriages for example because i know a lot of people that have been through domestic relationships domestic violence relationships and they let that dictate their worth now and it impacts so much of like how they can move forward because they're still clinging on to their past so much but it's like no, you need to realize you grew through that. You are not that person anymore. And you have the power to actually say, I am fit. I am not this person anymore. I am, like you said before, I am vegan. You have the power to change that to I am something else. But that was just an example. Obviously, it it's a completely different ballgame there. But you have the power to say, I'm going to actually use some practical examples that you can use now in your day-to-day life. And that's, you might, you might say, I, I just demolish a whole Tim Tam packet when I open it. Okay, so what would you rather do? I just want to be able to stop at one. Okay, so you're the person who can eat one Tim Tam and leave it there. Like, you need to visualize yourself picking up the Tim Tam, eating it, putting it back down and maybe having a different, a different, like, a different out, like a a tea instead of the packet of Tim Tams to finish. Yeah, it's, you know, the the other thing that as I, as I, I'm going to, because I'm going to try to put a bow on this, um, there's, there's one other aspect of this that I want to look at, um, You know, we're, we're talking about how this all relates to our identities and how we have to ask ourselves better questions for essentially better outcomes. Um, I, I look at a couple different things. I, I look at everything as essentially like a tool or a stepping stone. Um, so wherever you are, whatever that first step is that you take, 
it's probably beneficial if it gets you some kind of positive outcome, if it gets you out of that, the chaos in your head or helps you process the chaos in your head. And I, I have a client who's been with me, my God, for I think seven years. And she's a, she's an accountant and a financial advisor. And she came to me in January, which is, you know, right before the shit's about to hit the fan in the U.S. in terms of like when, you know, all the tax stuff starts to ramp up. And that's when accountants get super, super busy. Um, and and she goes, I'm, I, I don't, I'm not coming to you for weight loss. I'm not coming to you for anything with like with regard to my physique. I, I need stress relief. She's like, I do trail runs, but that's not enough. I know I need to be lifting weights too. Okay, cool. So, I mean, in all the years that she's been coming to me, I think we've only had one or two conversations about her diet, but she tore her meniscus on uh, on a trail run. She just, she kind of lost her footing and she felt something in her knee. And so then when she went to the doctor, the doctor was like, yeah, you're not gonna be able to run for probably six to eight weeks. And she was just shattered. She was like, what? Like you, you're taking this thing away from me. You're taking this like stress relieving thing that I've always been able to rely on um, aside from being able to strength train. And now I can't do it. And she came in and she was just, you know, really upset about it. She's like, what am I going to do if I don't get to run? I was like, can you row? Can you do the bike? Like, are those pain-free movements for you to do that your doctor will approve? And she's like, I'll ask. So then the, the doctor said, you know, like a lot of doctors will say, you know, let pain be your guide. Uh, but based on the way that you, the, the way that you tore this, um, you're probably going to be able to heal on your own. Just don't go jumping and running and doing all those other, you know, crazy things. And so she just started rowing. And it wasn't her favorite thing, but it was something to accomplish the same goal of stress relief. That was still cardiovascular um, movement. And she was like, okay, I at least now I have this thing. So, you know, when we become so entrenched in that identity that it becomes difficult to shift out and go, okay, what can we replace with this when we can't do this? You know, like for myself, I've had two significant back injuries. Um, so lifting heavy from the floor, not really in the cards for me anymore. And that was a tough thing for me to deal with when I dealt with it. Now, I mean, I've, I've got complete peace of mind about it. Does it bother me that I can't do those lifts? Of course it does. Am I going to lose sleep over it? No, I'm not. Because there's so many other things for me to focus on. There's so many other ways for me to go, I can improve my strength like this. I can improve the way that I feel about my fitness through this. It doesn't have to be this particular movement. I had no dreams of, com you know, competitively lifting. So um, that was something where I just, I had to shift my priorities. Okay, what's most important to you? Is it most important to you for you to push this number and to be able to do this thing? Or is it more important for you to be able to say, do your job, hold your kids, you know, hug your wife, you know, all these things that, you know, we don't think about that are impacted by our physical body until we're injured and can't do these things. Um, so I just, I, I want to finish on that, like your thoughts on an identity pivot uh, when it's necessary to do so. The pivot is the perfect word to use. And that's how I kind of really wanted to go before when I was talking about, I was in that state of identity of I had that disordered eating and I pivoted into putting that focus, that hyper-focus on my health, on my food, into something that's actually going to make me feel different 
but in a better way because I didn't like how I felt back then. But I was hyper-focused, like you mentioned about being entrenched in it, on the foods that I was consuming. And I moved that into, okay, so I'm lifting weights. I need to actually start eating more protein. I was kind of vegetarian then. I was vegetarian then. And it was through that that I started to feed myself more because I started to realize I'm lifting weights now. I need to feed my body. It's almost like we lost common sense with all the noise that's going on, but that was common sense back then. I need to fuel my body to get this certain result. And coming back to that identity pivot, we're human beings, we're feeling beings. We chase feeling. We're not going to do something that's going to make us feel like shit. And I guess that's where it comes down to asking ourselves a better question of, I guess, a task that people listening to this can do is get a piece of paper, split it in half on one half, write down what it is that you enjoy doing. How do you want to feel? And really get just drowned into that process of feeling it all. Put it all onto paper. Leave it. Come back a little bit later. And then maybe the, a day later, so you're not still in that fantasy world that you just put yourself in. And write down how you currently feel. What are the things that are currently taking up your life? Where are your thoughts currently going? You'll be surprised that most people will have 70% of it body focused. 70% of it obsessing over their body. Is that really how you want your life to be? Is that a life worth living? Or would you rather put that into, okay, I want to have more family focused now. I want to have more relationships. I want to just not make health and fitness so much of my life, which is the whole theme of, think of the pyramid, like the health and fitness pyramids. I have one where it has a cylinder down the middle and that's that. That's the health pillar. That's the identity pillar. That's the feeling pillar. Because no matter what we do, no matter what is the biggest priority, it all comes back to how it makes us feel. And if we aren't in a healthy body state, we never really feel that good. If we're bloated all the time, we never really feel that good. If we don't have a lot of energy to keep up with the kids, if you just yelled at your toddler for having its usual toddler tantrum, you're not going to feel that good. You're going to feel like a failed parent. If you... <laughs> failed a freaking set at the gym you're gonna let that get to you because you're not feeling confident within your body and that's not going to feel good so everything that you do that is food related that is fitness related is about feeling a certain way we first attend we first attach it to wanting to change our body but that's because we don't like how we currently feel we don't we're not confident in our bodies we probably don't like the change room the change room mirrors and the change room lights we probably don't approach relationships how we should we let people verbally and emotionally push us around because we haven't built that confidence within ourselves and it's through developing an identity around doing and not wishing doing and not thinking your identity has to be in the doing 
because you can think all you want. You can try to change your mindset all you want, but you touched on it before as well as I touched on it before. You cannot change the mind with the mind. That that was it. You When you got into fitness with your, your addiction, you couldn't just say that you're an addict. You couldn't just face it mentally. You had to do something with your physical body and feel good within yourself before you could change the mental. And you can relate that to anybody listening to this. Ask yourself a better question. What is it that you should be asking yourself that you're currently avoiding, that you're in denial of? Are you self-talking yourself enough in a way that's going to actually expand and grow you? Or is it all self-deprecating? Because most of our self-talk is that deprecating stuff and our body knows, our mind listens. And the more that we repeat that stuff to ourselves, the more it's going to manifest and that's going to stop us moving anyway because you'll never, ever, ever, ever achieve a thing if you don't believe you can. That's fact. Because if I never thought that I could do something, I would give up before I put it enough effort. If you don't believe you can do something, you'll be half-assing it the whole time because you don't truly believe that you can get that outcome. And that's where the pivot happens where... You can't just form and break habits. You need to habit stack. You need to shift habits. Okay, so if what I usually do is eat a bag of crisps in front of the TV when I get home, maybe I need to change where I'm placed or get some kids in and play chess with them or play like game board with them. Do something different that is away from that environment. If, why not, instead of watching TV, you get the kids to help up with creating a dinner meal so that you're not snacking, you're actually actively engaging in a process with your physical body to create the dinner that you'll be having later on at night. It's finding simple shifts in your day that take you away from the habit that isn't ideal towards the habit that you want to create but identity isn't just identity like it means nothing because it won't stay permanent without it actually linking to a core belief and that core belief is what we mentioned before you need to actually know what your priorities are what your values are aside from wanting to feel better your value isn't just i want better health because that shit isn't fancy on social media. It's the fact that you want to have better relationships. You want to excel in your career because, let's face it, things that make us happy, make us money, and make us feel better are the things that are pretty much driving forces. So connecting your identity that you want to create for yourself to those core beliefs is what makes it permanent. Because habits and rituals can easily fade if they're not attached to that deeper purpose. Like, my core belief is feeling valued. Like, I like feeling valued. It is a core belief because if I feel like I'm giving value to someone, client or otherwise, it is going to be a behavior that sticks. And I will will push for doing that behavior because I know it's in line with that core belief. Validation is a big thing for me. I like feeling valued. And you might feel the same within your workplace. What is it that makes you feel valued? 
really get down to that paper that you just made of how you want to feel and how you currently feel what habits and actions you're taking now and the ones that you desire to, desire to actually carry out and look at them cross-reference them see where you can start making some changes because as soon as you can connect that feeling that you want to feel to other habits outside of oh it's just the fact that i'm doing the ultra run or the trail runs but realize there are other things that bring you that same joy you're no longer confined to just that one simple act that takes up your whole life zoom out i'm in lockdown still and we're probably going to be in lockdown for another six weeks some people are losing their minds i am if i'm losing my mind about anything it's not my health and fitness because I'm just doing what I usually do because it makes me feel a certain way. And I've increased other things that I do that make me feel validated because I like feeling validated. I'm trying to get a more podcast. I'm trying to get more podcast guests. I'm trying to put out more social media content because I'm providing value. I'm asking more questions to other people to see how I can help them. I'm being more active in Facebook groups. I found things that align to my core belief to make me feel the way that I want to feel. So I'm going to leave that question with you guys. What is it that you can do to make you feel that little bit better? What are your core beliefs? What is it that makes you tick? Who are you? Or are you too drowned in society's voices? I, yeah, I, um, I think that's a great way to end it. Uh, what, what incredible questions I, I love I love leaving people with action questions. Hell, I did a book of that. <laughs> um, so, I, so Ruby, thank you again. You know, much like the um, the conversation, and it's interesting how not intentionally um, the first part of this series sort of uh, transitioned quite nicely with how I ended things with Sohi Lee in the last series. But much like the conversation on anti-diet culture and diet culture, there is layers and layers of nuance to this conversation and it is really specific to the individual so i think you know putting this back on the listener for just a moment if you go back to the questions that you know that ruby just asked at the end of this if you can answer those you know uh, honestly and candidly and revisit those questions from time to time um you're probably going to be well ahead of the pack so uh, i'm going to leave it there ruby we have two more conversations to tackle and, I, and i'm sure we're going to have uh, a lot to cover in those so thank you again for taking the time and uh, and i look forward to uh, round three thank you for having me back on uh, my pleasure for those of you listening hope you have an opportunity to download subscribe share with your friends if you have an extra moment please leave us an itunes review we will catch you next time <laughs>